Are your results desirable? Can a buyer duplicate your results? And can you document your results? Give me three strong yeses to those questions, and we start to break the mold in terms of the number of businesses that fail to sell. Welcome to the Cashing Out Podcast, where our fellow founders share real stories and offer honest advice around selling their companies to some of the top acquirers in the world. My name is Todd Sullivan, CEO of ExitWise, where we help business owners create the exits they deserve. Today, my guest is Mike Finger, an entrepreneur and business advisor who's built and sold four companies. His first exit was not for the faint of heart and provided expensive lessons for the rest of his entrepreneurial career. Mike built his first company to 50 people, and after 10 years of growth, he decided to sell. However, after several attempts to work out deals with multiple buyers, Mike's investment bank told him that his business was just not sellable. Although this is something any decent investment bank should know before taking a company on as a client, Mike spent the next four years fixing the mistakes in his business and eventually sold the company. Resigned to not letting other small business owners go through his pain, today Mike shares with us how to position small businesses for successful exits. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mike Finger. Mike, thank you so much for being here. I've been very excited to chat with you. Not only have you been an entrepreneur with multiple exits under your belt, but I think you've used all of that experience to start educating our fellow founders and business owners to create truly exitable businesses. And I know we tend to play in a little bit kind of different realm of the size of businesses that we work with, but a lot of our audience is are running businesses that are under that $10 million mark. We tend to work with businesses that are 20 million of revenue and up. So it's great to have you on. I'm very excited to get your advice for everyone. And in fact, Mark Cuban had this spot. And when I found out we could book you, I immediately bumped him. So thank you for being here. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> it's not the first time it's happened to he and I. So uh, Dodd, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So what I love is I love to hear kind of the entrepreneurial story. Like where did you start getting into your first business? Maybe we could just start with that, that background. Yeah, yeah. The the quick version. Um, Mid nineties, my wife and I started our first business, cut our dining room table in half to make two desks, and started serving clients out of our living room. Turned out I was a bit of a growth junkie, so added clients, started adding staff. Hit my vein right now. It just uh, it, growth was the thing for me, and uh, found myself ten years in, fifty full time employees, and woke up one morning and looked in the mirror and found a crispy piece of toast. Looking back, I, I realized that I had jokingly been talking about scheduling in my heart attack, and that mm. it wasn't funny. It, it was ringing true. So I thought excellent, it's time, I'm going to go ahead and sell my business. And that's when I had my first two by four to the forehead moment of, uh, what do you mean I can't sell my business? Thought I had uh, done my homework. I thought I understood, you know, the th rules of thumb for my industry, two times revenue, this, that, and the other. And mm -hmm. the brutal truth for me is that I hadn't built a business that I could sell. It was a massive personal and professional pivot for me, but also sh shined a light for me on not just 
what I had experienced, but the truth is it's it's what most small business owners experience when they come to this sell the business space. And so I dove in, I committed myself to making changes in the business that would allow me to exit. And five years later, we sold those businesses successfully. So it was a, a brutal journey. But, uh, again, I have since learned that it's one that most owners walk. Most mm-hmm. owners who experience the sell a business space experience it by doing this, Todd. They wait and then they fail. That's mm-hmm. how most owners experience the exit. I appreciate you sharing that. Can I just ask one question? What industry were you in? We owned a business that was called an association management company. We provided back office support, accounting, technical, and leadership services to nonprofits and associations. That's great. Well, I, I appreciate you giving us the background. Building a company to 50 employees is no small feat. Can you walk me through why was the business not ultimately, well, ultimately you did sell the business, but why was it not transferable the first time you tried? Not enough cash flow, too owner dependent, hadn't built a leadership team. I, I mean, if you and I were to do a quick Google on, you know, what are the basics that keep a business from selling? I, I It's like I had a, a checklist ahead of time and was trying to do everything wrong. So yeah, for me, it it was a a fundamental misconception about why a buyer buys a business and what an owner can and should do to create sellability into their business. So yeah, I'd love to dig into some really actionable things, but kind of very obviously the cash flow in the business, right? When we're looking at helping owners sell, it very much is that profitability that you know you're getting a multiple of that profitability and so building that in and being conscious i mean you got 50 employees i don't know if they're 1099s or full-time employees but that has got to be a significant burden and were you running the business really to serve as the lifestyle for you and your wife is that what the majority of the profits where they went no i mean no that that's okay. the simple answer to that question i did what so many owners do and i'll, I'll give you the line right We've made a lot of profit in this business, but we've reinvested it back Mm -hmm. into the business. Mm -hmm. The problem was, is I didn't really understand what the definition of profit is, right? Profit survives the bottom line, makes it to your tax return, and that's profit. I would get September and see some money on my bottom line and then find a whole bunch of things, usually in pursuit of more growth that I would spend money on. And so... Mm -hmm. Each year, I would get to the end and somehow magically make my cash flow disappear. That's super interesting. I I kind of understand the urge to say, hey, we've got some money to spend here. Let's pour it into marketing. Let's pour it into headcount and let's grow, grow, grow. If that was was your mantra, you could get caught each year. And and it's not only being profitable in that last year, right? You want to show consistent profitability over time and even growth in that profitability to be a truly transferable business. I think I heard this, maybe I misheard, but it sounded like when you ultimately exited, you you said exits. So did you have to split the company up in some way? Well, we actually, when we started the business, we were growing one operation, then started a sister company and -hmm. and grew those. They had a similar backbone, separate entities, sold those businesses, and then have subsequently bought and sold two others. So 
I had the opportunity to prove to myself that what happened the first time through wasn't a fluke and have really worked that process to try to understand what I got wrong. Because again, Todd, it's, I think there's a lot of owners out there that think they've done their homework. I had read articles. I thought I had done my time. I thought I understood. And for me, it was as simple as uh, the article that says two times revenue. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. what's the number I have to pay attention to then? I have to pay attention to revenue. Well, that's all well and good, but if you're not making any money, your revenue is meaningless. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's finding the way to understand this journey we're on as owners from a buyer's perspective. Yeah. You know, gosh, there's so much here, Mike. What I would say is, and I, I don't love our podcast to be a, a commercial for exit wise, but we have built a valuation calculator. And that valuation calculator really helps businesses from, you know, as enterprise value of a million dollars up to 500 million. And what I think it does remarkably well is it not only allows you to put in your cash flows, but it identifies maybe 30 factors, operational factors, external factors that affect the value of your business. And when you can see, oh, the strength of my management team is really not high enough for my industry or the size of my business, or I have way too much customer concentration, or my customer churn is too high. And you see how that, you watch it in real time, how that affects the value. What I love about the calculator isn't so much the number that it spits out your business is worth X, really is it creates a game plan of how to increase that enterprise value. And, and you've mentioned a couple of things already, obviously cash flows, but that ownership structure, was it too dependent on, on you? When you hand that business to somebody else, you have to think of it as if I'm staying in the shoes of the buyer, am I handing them future cash flows? Because that's what they are in fact buying. I just want to touch on one other thing is the failure rate. And so we know in the lower middle market that 20 million enterprise value up to 500 million, the failure rate for those companies is like 70% when they go to market and a whole host of reasons. And when I had heard that as a business owner, I felt like that in the industry is just not servicing the business owner well. And we had to go in and learn how to change that. And I think we are certainly contributing to a higher success rate by surrounding business owners with really like the A team of M&A every time, but there's certainly other factors. And that's really what I want to get into with you is what were those other factors that you saw and now you routinely see with clients? What are the things that are causing problems that are not allowing them to sell businesses and what are we doing to change that? Todd, it's a great question. I appreciate the asking. This is where the, the difference in markets, I think, gets sticky. You talked about 30 items for folks that use your tool to help them understand better the valuation, the sellability of the business. Those are critical. And the challenge is, though, that they tend to be increasingly critical as the operation size gets larger, right? If we're in a 20, Mm -hmm. 30, $40 million business, we've got an awful lot of factors to look at. The problem Mm -hmm. is, is that I think too many small business owners consume content that talks about brand value or intellectual property or mm-hmm. or these very real component pieces of value for larger companies and they get fixated on something that 
just simply doesn't apply to them until they get the basics in order. And so for me in in entering this process, it was really a a journey of whittling. I started and I said, okay, let's look at everything that's used when, when we look at the value of a business. And let's try to separate from important to critical for the true small business owner, right? For the 97% that are out there. And Mm. I landed on three simple questions. Are your results desirable? Can a buyer duplicate your results? And can you document your results? Mm -hmm. If you can answer yes to those three questions as a genuinely small business owner, the desirability and the sellability of your business has increased dramatically. If you can't, let's not worry about any of the other stuff until we can answer yes to those three questions. Because I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with owners who are telling me about their brand and their Facebook activity and they're this and they're that, and they're not making any money. And so I don't care about the other stuff until you've got those basics dialed in if you're a small business owner interested in selling the business. Can you repeat those three elements that you talked about? Absolutely. Are your results desirable? And no trick there. Are you creating desirable financial results? And is the owner's job attractive, right? Are your results desirable? Can a buyer duplicate your results? And can you document your results? Give me three strong yeses to those questions, and we start to break the mold in terms of the number of businesses that fail to sell. Yeah, thank you for repeating it. I was really number one, are your results desirable? What you meant by that, because you know, I think that there's context, right? That a business owner has to have. That business may serve you from a lifestyle perspective, but when somebody's coming in to look at buying a business, there are a number of options out there, right? So is that business truly desirable in the context of all the other opportunities that that buyer or set of buyers uh, may have? So just because it serves your needs may not indicate that it's going to serve others. And then your number two, can the buyer duplicate that, right? They obviously want to duplicate those desirable results. Yeah. Do I have a team? Do I have systems? Is it it structural? Is that what creates the results? Or is it that Todd happens to be a great sales guy and he, he makes all the sales. And then when Todd's gone, now what do we do? They're gone, right? Well, they're all my buddies, right? That are buying from me, and and when you're gone, your the the business goes away. The documentation is really important. We have that on our valuation calculator. Really, is like financial documentation, like the how you record financials. Are you doing that on a quarterly basis? Do you have the right cadence? Is an accountant really looking at that? So, but that that documentation goes far beyond that, right? Employment agreements, how the business is, is actually set up, insurance, all of those things that uh, would go into a data room, right? When you're going to go sell a business. And I think, you know, I've, I've been guilty of that, right? In the businesses that I've built is you kind of say, I'll get to that. I'll get to that down the road. And then it gets harder to, to fix at a later right. date. And when somebody comes knocking on the door, hey, I'd be interested in buying that business. 
if you're not prepared to say, yes, come and take a look at how not only how transferable the business is, how it's structurally set up, but here's the documentation behind it, your buyers are going to walk. So yeah, I think those are kind of great, three great buckets. Where do you see kind of the biggest deficiency today? I know you say, look at my brand, look at the audience that we attract, but we don't make any money. Is that really the biggest problem that small businesses are facing? The biggest problem in this space is that owners ignore this topic until it's too late. Delay, the, the lack of intention around this topic is unquestionably the biggest challenge because you can't change it if you're not giving it attention, right? And for most owners, they think, I'll get my business ready to sell when I'm ready to sell it. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. truth of the matter is, as, as you already alluded to, is that this can be a two, three, four, five-year process. I mean, if I've been aggressively tax planning to zero on my bottom line, and a buyer is going to look for a three-year track record of profitability, that's at least a three-year journey you mm-hmm. know, to build that track record. And so the problem is, is that we wait. We think this is going to be a quiet thoughtfully considered, planfully executed process. And for so many owners, it's not. It sneaks up on them. They suddenly find themselves in a place where I want to sell because I want to get out or I want to sell because I've got another opportunity or, you know, the terrible D's, divorce, disability, da-da-da-da, right? It's these things that come along and force this subject to be front and center for an owner. we just, Todd, we, I, and I, I say we, because this is where I was with my first business. We, we look at this yeah. topic as it's, as if it's something that comes later and we forget about the truth that ownability and sellability are the same thing, right? We talk about yeah. financial yes. reports. Hey, a buyer likes that. Well, guess what? Financial reports are also really good at doing. They're really good at informing you and helping you run your business in a better way right? Yes. Hey, I get to look at financials. Absolutely. I get to see that. So it's, it's a, uh, we wait, we wait and then we fail. That's the biggest problem in this space. One thing I want to comment on is we see a lot of business owners that, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, use the business as their personal piggy banks, right? So they really are managing the business from a tax perspective to zero. And, uh, that to, to us, that is fine. If you have substantial scale, you have growth rate, and you can show profitability because what we use is adjusted EBITDA. So just because you have your niece on the payroll and she doesn't actually work there or you're funding home projects and travel, all of those things, they can be adjusted out. And most of the buyers in the lower middle market understand their to some extent, there is that in every business. So yeah. I don't want to scare business owners away from, you know, like live the life that you want to live if you if your business can afford it. On the flip side of that, you're absolutely right that you really have to be able to document really true profitability and growth within that profitability. And three years, the way you said it, is really kind of an ideal uh, snapshot to be able to take because the buyer is buying year four or five, six, and they want to see the trends uh, going in the right direction. But I just, I, I want people to not be afraid of putting some things right in through the business. Well, 100%, right? But there's an informed way to do it. And then there's that hair on fire way that 
that many owners do it. And to your point in, in terms of documentation, in the small business world, that's seller's discretionary earnings, and we're talking about ad backs, yes. right? Okay. If you can yes. show me the ad back, if, if it's trackable, fabulous. If you're just taking toilet paper from the office so you don't have to buy it at home, <laughs> don't expect the ad back, right? I mean, it's just, there's yeah. a way to do this in a way that's thoughtful and intentional and you can benefit. It, it, again, if we don't think about it, if we don't spend time on it, it, it doesn't happen. So in your case, you it, you took four years, right? Until you had that transaction or did you fix it in four years and transact a year later? Is that yeah, it's probably it similar to the, to the last. We started fixing it right away, but of course, it, then we had to get a good year under our belt and then get another good year under sure. our belt and continue to to move that number forward. And so when you did decide, oh, we are prepared, the business is transferable, you went to market. And were you using any professional help or were you going to be the business broker on, on your own business? How did you treat no, it? No, I, I used a broker for the exit. And, uh, okay. you know, we, we could talk for an hour about the good and bad of that. Right. Uh, but right. I, I ended up at the closing table and I walked away with, with a check. And so I, uh, that was a huge win. It was, it was such a freaking life changer. I, I can't, I, I can't say, I mean, again, keep in mind, I was burnt yeah. out. I didn't want to be doing this anymore. And to be able to see the life do over that a successful mm -hmm. exit represents in that situation. And I've, I've been lucky enough to see it happen to many, many other owners. And I think that too many times owners don't understand the good that can come from spending a little time and energy in this topic area. But for me, mm -hmm. it was a, it was a freaking miracle. Uh, I love to hear you say that because, you know, you read a little bit about this topic and the regret that business owners have when they actually do sell, I think is uh, largely misguided. And I think that what it really is, is they should be thankful. This is a very, very difficult process. They've beaten all the odds to get to have built a business that created you know, wealth for the, themselves and their families. And then to be able to transfer that and have an exit is just a remarkable feat. But I think what drives some of the regret, which you don't seem to have, is that they don't have a plan of what their life is or who they are post-transaction? Are they going to go out and buy another business? Are they going to retire and play golf or something, you know, something in between, uh, be board member on multiple companies giving back to the entrepreneurial community? What we have found is business owners who plan that out can see their life post-exit, that more gratitude and pleasure that they have uh, having gone through the M&A transaction and are not thinking, did I leave money on the table? I know in my cases, I definitely left money on the table and I regret that and want to, you know, want the do overs, but the do over is go do the next business, educate yourself. And now for me, it's, you know, educating others, which it sounds like you are doing. And that's, it's incredibly rewarding work. I know you, you, you would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, hugely slow. Uh, I have a lot of contact with my, my owners post sale and, you know, six months out to have the owner tell me, Oh, I'm feeling this right now. And then to add, 
but I remember when we talked about this and that this was coming, right? This point of, have mm-hmm. I made a mistake? Okay, yes. What, yes. What, what, what do we do ahead of time? Well, first of all, we, we, I don't know that there's ever an owner that's not going to have moments of that. And okay, mm-hmm. well, let's talk about that ahead of time. And let's, uh, so th- that prep, that it's, it, it makes a massive difference. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So when you, you got through your exit, it's life-changing. How long did it take? It sounds like you started, oh, maybe didn't start other business. Did you buy other businesses? You knew what you were looking for now, having gone through this process? Because you went oh, through no, some I, entrepreneurial evolution here Todd, that I'm excited I was a hot to hear mess. about. I, I, I played with a startup <laughs> for a while, got to the point where I had to write the, the big check. And, and no, that wasn't it. I actually went to work as a business broker for about a year. Loved part of that, hated part of that. I went and ran a an incubator startup in my region, helping startup and growth companies start up and grow faster. Missed the bug of ownership, then went back and bought and sold two turnarounds. And then, then landed in the space where I am now, which because again, what I found is that I love the transaction space, I love the exit mm-hmm. space. And I carry ownership pretty heavy. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the guy that when I own the place, I'm, a, I'm awake at 2 a.m., right? I'm staring at the yep. ceiling thinking through problem X, Y, and Z. And uh, that gets old. Uh, I know there's different yep. ways to do it, but uh, I haven't found that. And so what this has allowed me to do is to work with owners, be in that space, but be able to fall asleep at night. Mike, I, I don't want to take you know, all day here, but buying the companies and then uh, it sounds like you're turning them around and then getting them ready for sale. You know, were, were you lucky? Were you, were you really good? You knew what you were doing to me that, that there are a lot of kind of aspiring entrepreneurs via acquisition. Yeah, any advice along that for that, for anyone going on that journey? Sure. Uh, I was lucky. I, I think I knew what I was doing. What I have landed on the best advice for, for aspiring folks in that space is to fall in love with the search. Fall in love with looking for a business. And if you love that process and do it long enough, you just might land on something that's a good fit for you. Ultimately, what I was looking for is something that was broken in a way that I knew how to fix because I think that's where the value equation changes. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a pretty freaky, I, I mean, that year as a broker put me in a position where I was able to evaluate opportunities in a different way and with a different level of yeah. confidence. And so, again, it's a, it's a messy space. The stories are great. The shrapnel is everywhere. And yeah, for, again, for me, the advice is fall in love with the search. Fall in love with looking at opportunities and evaluating until you find something that is the right fit for you. Might not, it might be a horrible fit for someone else, but uh, yeah. I think that's great advice. We have a lot of friends that are searchers or independent sponsors, right? And they're always on the hunt and the hunt yeah. is not the thing that they necessarily love, right? They want to get the deal. They've got a time clock on them. So they got to transact within, you know, a two year period. It just puts a ton of pressure on them. And like you, we're also in that position to see lots of opportunities because we are 
we are essentially the advisor on transactions. And you get to see things that, whoa, with a little bit of grease here, a little bit of oil there, this thing could be a rocket ship. And those are fun, fun businesses to see. And you talk to the owners about it. Could you do this? Or is this something that we share with potential buyers of really where they're going to, how they're going to take it to the next level? And um, we love those discussions. But yeah, the visibility into those opportunities is, is fun. And we love that search. Mike, this is awesome. Is there anything else that you would share with our audience about, you know, about your experience, any advice? Because it really feels like you've lived on kind of both sides of the table or three sides of the table, really, right? The seller, the buyer, and the broker. Any other words of wisdom? Um, I'm a a terribly pragmatic guy, Todd. So my advice to small business owners in this space is really simple. Set aside a lunch period a month put it in your calendar, set a date with your future self every month and spend time in this topic area. Uh, Listen to a podcast like ExitWise, read an article, look on YouTube, continue to educate yourself around what it looks like to create a business that somebody wants to buy and then do it the next month and the next month. And as time goes by, you're going to find that you start to operate your business incrementally differently. And over time, the impact of that incremental change is massive. And so just start now, start simple, uh, a lunch period a month, pay attention to this topic. Mike, that's perfect. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks again for listening to the Cashing Out Podcast. For more founder exit stories, please subscribe to the Cashing Out Podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And please remember, ExitWise.com and the Cashing Out podcast are for entertainment purposes only. This should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions.